This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. It's time for Barreled Up by Ball Cap Sports. Here's your, here's your, here's your host, Jim Wiley. Welcome back to the Barreled Up podcast, everybody. I have a fantastic guest today. We are going to dive into the Minnesota Twins. Unfortunately, the season ended a little too soon, but still a good run ended the streak. We have to get into all of that. But before we do, I want to remind everybody to subscribe if you have not yet. Help us grow the podcast rate and review so that others that are coming across it for the first time know what to expect. You can help us grow just by doing that and turn those automatic downloads on. So when you get the content or when we post the content to the feed, you've got it right away. All right. I am joined today. I'm happy. I'm excited because this is the guy I want to talk to about the Twins. Phil Mackey is joining me. One-time Minnesota Twins beat writer. He's on Score North. You can catch him on Mackey and Judd. You can find him on YouTube. You can find him wherever you get your podcast. And right now, you can hear him here on the Barreled Up podcast. Phil, thank you for joining me. I just want to say, Jim, I love it when we see new baseball media platforms. Like, I feel like ba- baseball, it's not just that the game needed to change. It's not just that we needed to figure out a way to knock 20 minutes off, pace of play. And, right. you know, I like the runner on second base thing. I think it adds some more drama and fun. We also need baseball media to be more modern. We need we need John Boy on YouTube. We need guys like Trevor Plouffe investing in media. So I think it's cool that you're doing this. It's all over YouTube and uh, and reaching younger baseball fans. So unsolicited compliment to you before we start dissecting my twins. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, um you know, on a whim, I started a YouTube channel a couple of years ago and I, thankfully it's it's kind of worked and and now with odyssey i've got this podcast uh moving and shaking and we're bringing in some great guests to talk baseball and i do i like to think that we're opening up maybe some new doors to some new some new folks maybe talking about it in a different way maybe coming right at some things that other people want to sidestep so uh i'm glad to have you here and and again your experience your history with the twins organization is so important because i I cover all 30, right? I look at the whole league, but I want to deep dive. And the best way to deep dive is to go to the source. And you guys there covering the twins, you are the source. You know, it's funny, right before we cracked the mics, you and I said, I'm going to withhold my answer because you said kind of a kind of a bittersweet playoffs for the twins, right? Yeah. I was at yeah. I was at Target Field the last two nights, and I just we had uh we had some press box seats for my other two guys at Score North and the Score North Twin Show, I said, you guys go sit in the stuffy press box. 
with all the stuffy writers. Right. I want to be a man of the people and experience this. I want the standing room ticket. Yeah. My wife and I went and and I think it it does sting a little bit for Twins fans that they got beat and knocked out in game 4 and they lost at home. Yeah. But on the other side, they hadn't won a playoff game literally in two decades going into last week. And I feel mm -hmm. like it's the most, you know, we we sit here, there's a generation and maybe a generation and a half of Twins fans that don't know what it's like to just celebrate winning a playoff game. You get these franchises like the Astros. where The Astros won that series last night, and I'm looking on the field like, oh, what are they going to do? Are they going to start? Are they going to bring the champagne out now? Are they they're just like going through their handshake line? You know, yeah, that's it. Just right. got through the DS. They've been to the ALCS seven straight seasons. When the Twins won that series against the Blue Jays, the first two playoff wins since 2004 and 2003, we didn't know what to do with ourselves. We're like, right. what? oh, what's next? Is there another round? This is yeah. crazy. So I think you have to sort of separate it. This team checked the boxes that needed to be checked. Mm -hmm. Go win it. Go win a game. It's like the least publicized, embarrassing, you know, sports streak in the country. If it was a New York team. God forbid it was like the Mets or the Yankees that had lost 18 consecutive playoff games. Right. And so they, they put that to bed. They win their first series since 2002. And we were just going over this on our, we just got done doing our twins podcast like 30 minutes ago. And they have like the twins nucleus or the, like the main players on the twins. There's like 15 of them that are 28 years old or younger. And Carlos Correa just turned 29, like two weeks ago. So yeah, they've got something interesting brewing here, and it feels like the start of something as opposed to just a weird pop up, I guess. Definitely. Right. You think about last year, they missed the playoffs. And for Carlos Correa, it was the first time since the early days of his career that he had to watch October, was not able to participate in it. Now he's in it. And I want to go back to you mentioned the Blue Jays series. Carlos Correa. I, on my channel, I, I I know it's a team thing, but what Carlos Correa did in the first round, I feel like the Twins maybe don't get a lot has to happen, but those moments that Carlos Correa was involved in in the first round, you may maybe the Twins don't get past Toronto if yeah. Carlos Correa doesn't have that heads up play behind Polanco to throw Bo Bichette out because that changes the game. He essentially working with Sonny Gray calls the pickoff on Vladimir Guerrero Jr. earlier in the game, too. He had the bases loaded knock that drove in a run. So without Correa, and that's a big, you know, Correa is a big a big difference maker. Um, you've got Lewis now, a big difference maker. You've got Lopez. You've got the difference makers that will certainly keep you guys back in the conversation to win the division and make a playoff run for many years to come. Um, let me go back to the Blue Jays series, though. Mm -hmm. What is your take? I have we, I've heard from Blue Jay fan. I'm a Blue Jay fan. Um, oh, and sorry, and and sorry, in man. yes, in Blue Jay circles, the <laughs> Jose Barrios removal in that uh, in that game is going to be one of the lasting memories in the history of the franchise and their playoffs and their playoff history. Yeah. From a Twins perspective, when you saw Barrios coming out of the game and Kikuchi coming in. How exciting was that, first off? What's your oh, take man. from the twin side of things? The twin side of things is very loaded because Barrios was a sandwich round draft pick by the twins 10 mm -hmm. years. I remember, so I, I covered the twins beat from like the end of 2009 through like 2013, and it was when Barrios was on his way up through the, through the pipeline. So I'm, I'm going to answer your question by going way back, like 10 or That's 12 right. years yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. 
And I remember one time I was sitting at uh, at Hammond Stadium in in Fort Myers, which is where the Twins have spring training. And they have all these backfields, like chain link fence backfields, where you can just, if you're a fan or a media member, you can just like walk up to the chain link fence, like you're watching a, you know, high school game or something. And it's future major leaguers that are playing these B games during spring training. And the Twins pitching coach at the time was Rick Anderson, who listeners and viewers may remember him. He was Ron Gardenhire's right-hand man for like 10 years of division titles. And I remember just kind of sitting next to Rick Anderson watching Jose Barrios on the mound as a 20-year-old or a 19-year-old. And I said, hey, all these all these young arms you guys have, you got Trevor May in the system and, you know, whoever else was, I think, uh, the Vanimal, Vance Worley was on the team at that time. They had all these kind of young pitchers trickling yeah. out of the minor leagues. And I said, give me like one pitcher that in five or 10 years, we're going to say, that dude's a badass. That dude's, and he, and he points right out. He says, this guy, mm-hmm. four pitches, he can mix. He can throw at the time, like mid nineties, which was great velocity 10 years ago. Yeah. And, but, but as we started watching him throughout his twins career, Barrios was, he's kind of an overthinker sometimes. Like he would, he had a few years early where he was awful in August and September uh, because he would wear himself out working out between starts and he would just be like tired in August and September, mm-hmm. or he'd have a bad start and he would refuse to throw his pitches over the plate for the two starts afterwards. Like he was kind of a, in, in his head guy. So we know him as being this wildly talented, incredible young starting pitcher that probably never rose up to the level that you thought with the twins. And then he goes to the blue Jays. So all of these thoughts are kind of loaded in your mind. And we actually thought on our show that he was going to come out kind of nervous in front of his old fans. And maybe yeah. I, I thought he was going to walk Julian, maybe to oh, start yeah. the game. Right. I, th- I thought the same thing in the WBC the, earlier this year, he blew up because I think yep. there was too much going on. He was the opening day starter for Toronto uh, back in 22 and it completely got away from him. So I've seen those moments. I know exactly what you're talking about. He's super talented, but he gets, he gets a little in his head sometimes, but he came out lights out in that playoff game. And the Twins had a moment, I think it was against the Astros in 2020 in the playoffs. They had like the two, it was like the best of three wild card thing that they did that year. Yeah. And Barrios, if I remember right, Barrios was cruising through five scoreless innings against that Astros lineup. And the Twins, they didn't love him a third time through the order. And they had a couple guys warmed up in the pen. They said, I think he was at like 80 some pitches. But he was lights out. He was dialed. And the Twins pulled him from the game. And if memory serves, they put in a reliever named Cody Stashak, who, again, was good in the regular season. But, and dude, I'm a, Jim, I'm a huge analytics guy. I got my start as a baseball analytics writer. I have read everything from the book to everything Bill James has ever written. Like, I love right. baseball analytics. Right. But us analytics nerds oftentimes dismiss the human element like it doesn't matter, right? Like the mm-hmm. scene in Moneyball, you know, where he just, like, craps on all the scouts. If a pitcher is cruising in a postseason game and his pulse isn't racing out of his neck, he's not nervous, he's just dealing, it's really risky to pull him from the game and then expect like the next four guys to all all be performing at their peak level just yeah. like they would on a Tuesday in July, right? Right. Like this. And so, of course, you know, 2020, the Twins pull Barrios from the game. Reliever gives up a home run to, I think, Carlos Correa, and they go on to lose the game. In this case, I thought it was a classic example of let's make a decision 48 hours before the game or at two o'clock in the or whatever. I think it was a it was a one o'clock game, like, you know, yeah. two o'clock the day before. And let's let's pull him from the game without any context. Well, 
he's dealing right now. And if you have a pitcher who feels that good about his stuff and the lineup's having a hard time with him, yeah. how sure are you that the next two or three guys are going to be dialed up with their A game? Like we just assume that, oh, we're going to bring in this line of relievers and right. they're all going to perform to their splits in a pressure situation on the road in a playoff game. There's a human element that has to be factored in. So uh, it worked out well for the Twins, mm-hmm. to say the least. <laughs> the Today, Mark Shapiro gave his press conference and uh, end of the season wrap up. And what we learned of just a few hours ago that we did not know because... Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. John Schneider did not do a good job of explaining it. Ross Atkins certainly did not do a good job of explaining it with his press conference last week when Ross Atkins ignited a fire um, in, in Blue Jays Nation. Was that the plan was to send a lefty in to try to force the Twins' hand to remove the lefty bats that were coming up to try to get Kirilov or Kepler out of the game, get Kirilov out of the game, try to get those players out so that the lineup was then heavy right-handed the rest of the way. And then they could go back to the right-handed pitchers. But my, I, I still take, I, I still believe it was a mistake to take Brios out. If that is a game plan, do it next time through the lineup, right? Don't do it that early when he's pitching that well. And also don't go to Yusei Kikuchi. For two reasons. Yusei Kikuchi makes every Blue Jays fan nervous, number one. <laughs> number two, you have a far better option in Timothy Miza because that was turning into a, a, a big moment. The leadoff runner was on. Uh, you were getting to a difficult part. Bring Miza in if you think that, okay, no Minnesota twin batter can advance from this moment on. You can't go to Yusei Kikuchi. Plus, Yusei's a starter. He... Came out of the bullpen the year before, but this year he's not used to coming in in a messy inning, right? When there's already a runner on and it's not a fresh, clean start. So um, I'm interested. It was very interesting hearing your take on that because of his history with Minnesota and certainly what was on the line uh, for him personally in that setting. But let's let's get to what we just saw. this Astros series. Now, I really thought the way this was, I thought we were going to go back to Houston for a game five. That was my, that was my read on this whole thing. Mm-hmm. I think there were, a, there were, there were a ton of missed opportunities um, early in yesterday's game. Certainly, Urquidy being on the mound is not anything dominant, anything that you fear. A bad luck line drive in the first inning that is then followed up <laughs> with a Royce Lewis home run. But ultimately, this comes down to, will this series be remembered as missed opportunities, um, not able to score runs? Altogether, I want to say, what was the number? I had a note, 5 for 38 with runners in scoring position in oh. this series. And on top of that, many of those 33 outs were not even productive. I want to say half of them were strikeouts. Yep. Um you got to cut down on the strikeouts, right? Are we going, we're going to a game five. If we can cut down on those strikeouts. Yeah. That's the thing. Like you look at the Astros over the years, we've gone so far. I'm going to rip on analytics people again here. I'm going to rip on people like me. 
strikeouts, you, you know, you got to stop fearing strikeouts, right? Yeah. It's just an out. And right. I think, I, I do think you've seen some of that uh, bear some truth in that, hey, sure. if if uh, striking out 150 times, if you're Mike Trout or whatever, if you strike out 150 times, but but you're tapping into like more power, more extra base hit, more slugging, I do, I do believe there's a good trade-off there. The Twins, I think, have sort of crossed that threshold. It's like yeah. you just broke the major league record for strikeouts, and then you struck. You were the first team to strike out at least ten times in six consecutive playoff games. And this is why I always say people who say, "Well, an out's an out. A strikeout's the same as a flyout, the same as a ground out." No, it's not. Right. Let's talk about process for a second. If we start the game and say, "Hey, today the Twins are going to strike out fourteen times," well, that's fourteen times automatic out without a ball being put into play, a chance for a, a fielder to boot something, a chance mm -hmm. to move a runner over. So mm -hmm. what if we swapped? I'm not even going to be that greedy. What if we swapped 14 strikeouts? Let's swap like six of them. How about eight strikeouts? Eight strikeouts. That's a reasonable amount. Give me six of those strikeouts and convert them to batted balls. Give me two bloopers. Give me two grounders and two fly balls. Do two of them fall in for a hit? Does it get you an extra run? Does it move a guy over and now there's a sack fly, right? Like, right. So that was one of the things I'm overall very positive and happy about sort of the direction the Twins have gone here the second half of the season. But, you know, jo Joey Gallo was kind of the poster boy for the Twins strikeout offensive failures in the first three or four months until they put him on the uh, injured reserve list. So Joey Gallo, maybe you've talked about this on your show. He has in his career three sacrifice flies. Like in his career, he has three sacrifice flies. So that right, there's guys, I think there's guys in the big leagues this year that have like 10 this year. Mm -hmm. So I just think you, you, you contrast that with the Astros who, yes, everyone strikes out more in baseball now compared to, you know, 30, 50, 60 years ago. Mm -hmm. But the Astros do a great job of working counts, putting the ball in play, make you have to do something. You know, maybe there's a ground ball that goes up the middle for a hit that otherwise would have been a strikeout, and they just take such great at-bats. But the Twins, here's another one for you. The Twins haven't scored more than six runs in a playoff game since 2004. It's been like 20 playoff games. Right. It's okay to score 10 runs in a playoff game. The yeah. Phillies just did it last night. How about just one time when, when now I'm just like, now you're my therapist. It's I'm okay. just venting now. Like, okay, Urquidy, he's okay. He's had some good starts. I, I'm not going to say he's a garbage starting pitcher, but, you know, your season's on the line. You got Royce Lewis, you got Correa, you got, you got veterans like Max Kepler. Just go score nine runs and send the series back to Houston. I think that was kind of the prevailing feeling. Like, just not every game has to be a grinded out three to one, you know, you got you to gotta try and scratch a run across in the seventh inning. You know, the Twins at some point need to just go, go score nine runs in a playoff game. Yeah, Urquidy of of the the pitchers that went out there for Houston, um, I, I felt confident in Verlander because his stuff's been good lately. He had some momentum coming into the postseason. I was worried about Framber Valdez, and Framber Valdez had a letdown game. I was worried about Christian Javier, but Javier found what has been missing a lot this year, and that was that extra spin, that extra movement on his slider. Uh, he brought that back out against the Twins. He was still walking. Uh, a ton of guys, but you had that, that he could break out that slider and he could get strikeouts. So he sort of got back into his thing. Urquidy's got to be somebody to get to. I, again, not to take anything away from him, but a, a a playoff caliber lineup like the Twins has to be able to put more on Jose Urquidy to to move on. And and 
you know, that's my question. What what does this team mean? We're going to get deeper into a roster decision making. So so um, we don't need to necessarily go there yet, but maybe we do. We'll, if, if your answer takes us there, we'll go there. What do the Twins need to go deeper into the postseason? Is this a matter of, hey, you know, the, the maturation of some of these young guys? Because there's a lot. You're in a great spot with, with a lot of arbitration, pre-arbitration guys. The maturation of the young players. Or is it? Roster additions. How how does this team not see this? Is there a a philosophical change, right? Strikeouts are not as good as an out. Maybe that's what they preach in that dugout. Uh, You you just go for it. If you strike out, it's just an out. What do they need to do to go deeper? I think they mostly have the pitching. It kind of depends. I think there is a question next year about who their number two starter is. Mm -hmm. I think Pablo Lopez has really emerged as... You know, I'm not going to say he's Justin Verlander at his peak, but like Pablo Lopez is a really good starting pitcher. Yes. Sonny Gray's 34 years old. He's going to be a free agent. My guess is the Twins offer him the qualifying offer and, and maybe he gets a deal with the Cardinals or something. Yeah. So his status is uncertain. So th- I'd like to know who the number two starter is. Chris Paddock looked great in relief. He's been out 15 months with Tommy John surgery. Uh, Bailey Ober is a good sort of mid rotation guy. So there's some, but I, I generally think they have the pitching. They've got some big arms in the bullpen. They've got, I mean, for every, for everything from <clears throat> Duran to Brock Stewart to Griffin Jacks. They've they've got some dudes that can get big timeouts against a lineup like the Astros. Mm-hmm. The problem for twenty years sometimes has been pitching, where they're running out like uh, Boof Bonzer in a playoff game in two thousand six, or they're running out Brian Dunsing at Yankee Stadium, or Randy Dobnak, who was a Lyft driver two years beforehand, and Yankees fans yeah. are driving are, are chanting Uber driver at him, right? Like. They don't have that problem anymore with this pitching staff, mm-hmm. but they still there's still this. They've got a handful of guys that rise up in that lineup: Carlos Correa, Royce Lewis. I think Edward Julian took some great at bats too, and was one of the better rookies in baseball. Yes, but there's guys like Max Kepler, for instance, that just and and maybe this is a small sample. He's had 50 postseason plate appearances dating back to 2017, and Max Kepler has been one of the figureheads, this, like one of the best prospects the last you know. He's 30 years old now. So going back like eight years ago, he was with that Byron Buxton, Miguel Sano, Eddie Rosario, Nucleus, Jorge Polanco's on the team. Mm-hmm. That team failed wildly to take good at bats. And like that Nucleus for years failed to put together plate appearances, failed to come up with clutch hits. I almost think you need to just say goodbye to that era of like that whole era is gone now. You finally broke the streak. Right. The players that came up short are kind of like Buxton. He can't stay healthy. So, by the way, Sano was out of baseball this year at age 30, 29, 30. Like didn't even play in Korea anywhere. But Max Kepler, 50 career plate appearances in the playoffs. Zero runs batted in. Six hits and 50 trips. And you know, he's in the heart of the lineup. He's yeah, like, in a drive-in like, run position. You got to just like, and and maybe it's unfair to to hang this opinion on a 50 plate appearance sample, but like, you know, you're 30 years old. This is your shot. You don't get big sample sizes in the playoffs. You got to produce. Right. They just, they need more. This is not a, a scouting term, I guess, but they need more dog in that lineup. You know, like Royce yep. Lewis, Carlos Correa. I look at that Astros lineup and even the guys that weren't part of the original nucleus, right? The guys that come in here one through nine, they believe they're scoring 15 runs tonight. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know that the twins lineup outside of like two or three guys has that feeling going into a postseason game. Yeah, and it's, it, I think it becomes cultural. I, I I really do. I think it goes beyond the statistics and what you see in a box score. It's a good point. Um, 
and there's a decision to be made now on Max Kepler. Uh, there are roster decisions that are going to have to be made. You talked about Sonny Gray uh, as a free agent. Maybe they attach a qualifying offer. You've got Michael A. Taylor as a free agent. Now, he was one of the big strikeout culprits this year, but he gives you a great yeah. defensive center field, so you may be torn there. Um, no qualifying offer. The only player that maybe gets one is Sonny Gray. Outside of that, no one's getting one. Michael A. Taylor's going to be a free agent. is a free agent. Solano is a free agent. Keichel, Gallo, all free agents. You've got the decisions to be made. Okay, and then also Emilio Pagan and, and Molly are at the end of their arbitration. Yeah. So they'll be free agents. The decisions for Polanco and Kepler are interesting because they're one-year club options. It's not a crazy amount of money considering how much guys go for. I mean, what did Joey Gallo get? Joey Gallo like got 12, 11 million. 11? Yeah, Joey Gallo got 11. Maybe there were some uh, some some uh, bonus <laughs> who, who incentives are they there. against there. His agent's like, what? How much? Yes. 12 million sounds Sold. good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, but you've got, uh, I want to say it's it's 10-5 for Polanco. It's 10 for Kepler. You bring up the, the, the postseason experience. I would almost argue that 50 plate appearances in the postseason, because it is such a limited time, is postseason-wise a good enough sample size to understand what's this player got. In the postseason, if we go 50 at bats, 50 plate appearances, and we don't have any runs driven in, and this guy's hitting in the middle of the lineup, then I got it. There's something between the ears. There's something going on that just I don't I don't like that. Um, mm-hmm. Do are both Polanco and Kepler back at those dollar figures? It's a really good question. I think there's so let's start with Polanco because I haven't done like a deep dive into you know, available free agents yeah. and and kind of what the landscape looks like. But I, I believe the second base free agent crop is a little weak this season. So mm-hmm. the twins are sort of loaded up the middle right now. They've, they've, they went years and couldn't find a shortstop. They were, they were literally running out, you know, Juan Castro for a year. And then they had, you know, you know fast forward 10 years later, Andrelton Simmons at the tail end of his career yeah. and everything in between. Um, Polanco played some shortstop. He's better as a second baseman, but now it's like they have Carlos Correa and then Royce Lewis was a shortstop and they got to move him to third. Brooks Lee is their best prospect. He's a shortstop. So they have kind of a, they have a surplus of middle infielders right now. Mm-hmm. So going, let's say if you exercise Jorge Polanco, your infield right now, next year, Correa is your shortstop. Royce Lewis, your third baseman. Edward Julian has gotten better as a fielder. And I think enough so that they would feel comfortable, especially with his bat to put him, and Correa up the middle too on the other side. He can play second base for you. Yeah. But you got to find a place for Brooks Lee because he's yeah. knocking on the door probably in you know May of next year. I think you exercise Polanco and then you shop him for one of your needs. The Twins need left-handed pitching. They need a left-handed starter. They need a left-handed reliever. Um, could you? Is there a team out there that needs help up the middle? He's only 29 years old. It seems like Polanco's been around forever because he came up when he was 20 years old. Um, he can't stay. He, you can't really rely on him for 150, 155 games anymore. But I'd, pr- I'd probably exercise and chop him. Mm-hmm. I think you have to exercise Kepler, too, because he was one of their best hitters in the second half of the season after almost getting DFA'd in May. It was really bad the first couple months. Right. Right. But the Twins also have a huge surplus of left-handed hitting corner outfielders. Matt Walner, first-round pick. Trevor Larnick, former first-round pick. I mean, and plus, like, you can find corner outfielders who can hit you, you know, uh, an OPS plus of just above average, right? So mm-hmm. 
I, I think I exercise both. And then I start shopping, you know, at the winter meetings, I get a cocktail and I start talking to other general managers at the hotel bar at the winter meetings. It's a good idea. Yeah. Just doing that in general. Yeah. That, yeah. All, all of that sounds trade. great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it sounds great. All of it, all of it sounds great. Um, I think, uh, you know, Polanco, if, if, if he doesn't end up getting dealt the depth that he could provide, right? Because that's one of the elements that you can't plan for are injuries, right? Um, you can plan for injuries with Byron Buxton, unfortunately, but generally you don't know year in and year out who's going to get hurt, where you're going to need uh, a position, a player. You bring up a good point about Kepler. Uh, there are, you guys have a surplus of those quarter outfield left-handed hitting bats. There are teams that need that. One specifically is my Toronto Blue Jays. Oh. Maybe there is a one-for-one. One, maybe there's a pitcher that Toronto can send to Minnesota in return for Max Kepler because I don't think Toronto wants to get into a long-term contract looking at left-handed bats that are available in this free agent market. Cody Bellinger has some volatility there. Uh, Jack Peterson is available. You've got... I don't think Conforto's going to opt out. His year wasn't good enough for him to opt out. There's not really a surplus of lefties. So Max Kepler may have some solid value for the Jays and other teams. You know, that the, need the, that. the surplus you have is uh, the children of former notable major leaguers, which the yes. twins lack, you know, we have if that. there's a, uh, you know, another Biggio lying around somewhere. We could, we sure. could use some of that here. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's not a, yeah, not a bad idea. Um, about the pitching, uh, we talked about the, you know, Sonny Gray may get a qualifying offer. Kenta Maeda is a free agent. Keuchel is a free agent. Molly, who you, you didn't get anything out of this year. Um, there are, when I look at the rotation for the Twins, you've got uh, Lopez, you've got Ober, and you've got um, and, Joe, and Ryan. You've got Ryan, Joe Ryan. Joe yep, Ryan. Yep. He's on my fantasy baseball team. I don't know how his name was escaping me there. He's a good pitcher. Well, he's a good he pitcher good. when he's not covering up a groin injury for two months, which that's which that helps. Help. <laughs> right. This rotation, um, Sonny Gray may decline that option because there are going to be a lot of teams looking for starting pitching. And how do we rebuild this rotation for the Twins potentially down maybe two guys having to replace two starters? Yeah, I think there's. There's two questions here. Well, three, two internal and then one that's more like payroll related. Yeah, they've got a couple interesting arms that that the twins unleashed in the wild card round in the division series out of the bullpen throwing upper 90s. Yeah. Starters converted to relievers in Chris Paddock and then um, Louis Varland, who Louis Varland was. I think he was in the rotation for like maybe 12 or 15 starts early in the season. They sent him back down to AAA and they converted him over the last like six weeks to a flame-throwing reliever who, if you if you look at his bullpen numbers at the end of the regular season, I think you have to decide where is a guy like Varland offering the most value? Is it as your number five starter, or is it as a flame-throwing 75 innings out of the bullpen, 100 that, miles an hour? Like that. <laughs> I agree. So you have to kind of start there. I think Chris, Chris Paddock's in the rotation, and I think mm -hmm. you're going to rely on him to be kind of a number three starter. The payroll is going to be a question, and this and this is happening all across baseball. The, I think the Twins had like 150, 140, 150 million dollar payroll last year, which was I want to say the highest that, that they've ever had. And they, like a lot of these other uh, franchises, have no idea where their TV, their uh, TV money is coming from next year. 
So the Twins and, and Bally Sports North, you know, that they were part of the litigation process over the summer. That's like a fifty to sixty million dollar paycheck that the Twins get. And this is where I think a lot a lot of fans wonder, like, well, why don't some teams spend like other teams in baseball? Like in the NFL, a team from Green Bay spends the same amount of money as a team from New York, right? Why can't baseball be the same? Well, in other sports, there's a lot more national money being spread across evenly and distributed, right? In baseball, 80 to 90, let's call it 75 to 90% of revenue generated is locally generated revenue. So if you're a team like the Twins and you're middle of the road, middle market, and a 50 to $60 million chunk is going to be missing from your budget next year, do they have to strip that payroll down is my question. This is why I Mm. think Sonny Gray leaves. I don't know that you're paying $20 million for his replacement. So you might have to get creative and figure it out either internally or right. the twins have done a great job uh, looking through the used DVD bin uh, over the last 15 years for pitchers, Chris Archer, Dylan mm-hmm. Bundy, going back to like uh, Sidney Ponsone and yeah. Ramon Ortiz and some of Levon Hernandez was in there. So they can always find those guys, but uh, those guys aren't going to make, they're not going to fill the shoes of what Sonny Gray did this season, obviously. You bring up a good point, the payroll. I had that uh, down to, 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 to get to as well. It was $159 million was the 2023 payroll per fan graphs. You've got the Twins do some big contracts. Correa, Buxton, Lopez. You've got that looming situation. Does this team have a free agent splash, or are they going to be shopping in the bargain DVD bin all offseason? Which might, which might frustrate fans, but... The reality of it is that the money may not be there. Yeah. There'd be an episode to be done here. Just looking at the twins used DVD purchases since like 2005. (laughs) It's a Kevin Correa. Yeah. I saw him. I saw a Mike Pelfrey twins Jersey at target field yesterday. So, I mean, it's a long list. (laughs) It is. I mean, you've got, it's interesting when you look at the starting pitchers, you know, maybe Molly comes back, right? I don't know. He's probably going to be looking at a at a one-year deal loaded with incentives uh, to get his value back up. You've got Alex Wood. You've got Jack Flaherty. You've got, uh, there's a lot of names down toward the bottom. Carlos Carrasco, they give him a shot. But at the same time, yeah. you've got like the Simeon Woods Richardsons. Like, do you want, would you rather go that way and potentially sink Six or seven million bucks into let's just go with uh, who did I already say? Let's say Carrasco. Carrasco still probably gets like five or six million bucks. Mm-hmm. Would, you, would you sink five or six million into Carrasco or would you rather give Simi Woods Richardson the shot in its spring yeah. training? I think, you know, I you, you mentioned uh, Tyler Malley. He's viewed as kind of the twins have made some epic whiff trades at the deadline the last yeah. two or three years where. Yeah. Like they'll uh, they'll like forget to Google pitcher pitcher that we're uh, about to trade for and injury and see if there's any like Paddock Paddock had a partially torn UCL. This was this was an offseason trade, but mm-hmm. Paddock had a partially torn UCL at the end of the 2021 season or whatever it was. And the right. twins are like, oh, that's fine. Well, he's fine. And boom, he makes five stars. Tommy John. Tyler Malley was shut down twice with shoulder problems in the first half mm-hmm. of the season. The Reds are like, can you just give us two starts before the deadline so we can get, you know, get two awesome interest. hitting prospects? Mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. he goes down, right? So, but on, on the Malley front, before the injury, he was, I mean, I think he could be a good solid, maybe like a, like a B minus, like a number two, number three starter if he's fully healthy. Yes. And yes. I don't know that demand is going to be super high for him. Hey, you spent, you spent your time rehabbing here. 
You like it here. Um, why don't Why don't we do like a one year flyer, a get right? You scratch our back, we'll scratch yours. Here's eight million dollars mm-hmm. if you're feeling good, and then you can reset your own market in 2025 or something. I I could see something like that. Yeah, there's going to be an opportunity because all those names we talked about, the money that come off the books with them, you know, you've got 12 and a half from Gray, 11 from Gallo, four and a half from Taylor, three from Maeda, two. Solana was such a good deal. Like Solana's a good play. Donnie Barrels, man. He's a great player. Yes, he can. He, for two million bucks, he gives you a lot there. Uh, Molly was seven and a half. Pagan is three and a half. So there's some money coming off the books that they can reinvest and maybe they are able to work out uh, a, a situation where they can still improve the club with all the players going out. Maybe there's a little bit of scratch they can put together. If you put Sonny Gray and Joey Gallo's contract or the dollar amount this year combined, that's $23 million. That can go out there and get you a top-of-the-line free agent. Yeah. Um, it, it would mean that they would have to be very thrifty uh, but they could they could certainly do that. Um, Phil, let me get uh, I want you to tell everybody that's listening again. We we talked about it at the beginning, but where can they find you? Where can they yeah. find you and your team? Where can they where can they consume your content more? Yeah. So we uh, about five years ago, we, we we took what used to be an AM rate, an AM sports talk radio property and platform, 1500 ESPN Twin Cities. And we uh, we transitioned into the digital world and said, let's let's get a jump on this YouTube podcast. So so the brand is Score North. It's S-K-O-R, Score North. ScoreNorth.com is a great hub for everything we do. But our main podcasts are the Score North Twin Show, Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find podcasts. And then we have a daily Viking show called Purple Daily as well. Literally 365 days a year of Minnesota Vikings talk. Flagrant Howls for our Timberwolves. Uh, Judd's Hockey Show for Wild. So if you are a Minnesota sports fan, it's a great place to uh, to be entertained, hopefully. And uh, yeah, we have two YouTube channels, the Score North YouTube channel and the Purple Daily YouTube channel. So if you uh, are interested in stopping by, we'd uh, love to have you. I got to think Twins fans probably know where to find you, but anybody that's listening, and I have a lot of, I got a lot of Braves fans, I got a lot of Dodger fans, I got a lot of, a lot of Phillies fans, a lot of Blue Jay fans that may be hearing about this for the first time, and it's worth keeping tabs on and 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 hopping in and consuming what they're putting out there because the Twins are an interesting team now. The Twins are going to be a there's there's some exciting players there. There is relevancy there. There's excitement there, and that's all you can ask for from yeah. your baseball team, right? Yeah, we don't even know what like our ask for 20 years was. Please just win a playoff game. Just when we so we have to like go back to the drawing board for what we ask baseball Santa Claus for as mm. Twins fans. We're like, what do we yep. what do we want next? You got Maybe it's ALCS. The ALCS. Has Maybe to that's be. The next. <laughs> it has to We're be. We're like, what do we, we what do we do with our hands? We want a playoff game. This is amazing. Right. Exactly. <laughs> All right, uh, Phil. Thank you again for joining me. I truly do appreciate you having you on. Thanks, Jim. Great stuff, man. All right, everybody. Make sure again to subscribe to. The Barreled Up Podcast, if you have not yet, make sure to help us grow, rate, and review this thing. Tell everybody how amazing and incredible we are. It'd be a big help. And turn those automatic downloads on, too. That's going to do it for this one, everybody. Thank you for coming in. Stay close because you know there's good content. There's good interviews coming up. We got the postseason, so a lot, a lot to continue to dig into. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll catch you next time. 